0: This is a rose hit and I am the, the roaming Rose researcher on the Rose Hip Road Trip. I have a rose between my hips, low is on my lips, and I am hip to the power of plants. Each day I chant to invoke their spirits. Can you hear it? Hey everyone. This is Dr. Hilary Booker, the Roaming Rogue Researcher, and this is the Rose Hip Road Trip, a project dedicated to exploring the ways in which people use earth based food, medicine, and spiritual practices to liberate themselves and their people, however, they may define who their people are. It's been quite a while since I've released an episode as the Rosehip Road Trip and my life have been in a little bit of a flux over the past year. I have a couple more interviews from the Rosehip Road Trip that I'll be sharing over the coming weeks. After that, I'm going to be switching things up just a little bit. I'll be continuing with the podcast and a lot of the general themes, but I will be changing the name and the concept slightly. But I'll be telling you more about that as it's happening and in the next couple of weeks. Please stay tuned to learn more about that once I have released all of the interviews for this project, which was very special to me, even though it didn't quite turn out exactly as I planned, which is pretty much the story of my life. But then again, when you're following your heart and your destiny, things rarely turn out exactly as you plan. But that's a topic for another show and one that no doubt will be coming up a whole lot I'm so excited to share this week's conversation with you, though, because there are few people I can think of who are as dedicated to using earth-based food medicine and spiritual practices for personal and collective liberation as this week's guest, Chris Bolden Newsom. I was referred to Chris by his partner, Owen Taylor, who you may remember from episode number five, Saving Culture Through Seeds. Owen and Chris work individually and together to facilitate cultural recovery and liberation through farming, seed saving, and food sovereignty and justice education and advocacy throughout the entire country. Chris runs the African Diaspora Garden at Sankofa Community Farm at Barsham's Garden in West Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the oldest botanical garden in the United States. Sankofa is a West African concept that has to do with remembering. Chris holds an amazing balance between remembering the past and using the strength of the past and his ancestors to return to a new future, and his garden community supports a very broad and holistic perspective of food sovereignty. If you're not sure what food sovereignty is, we'll talk about that another time, but I think you'll get a pretty good idea of what that is during this conversation. While Chris now lives in Philadelphia, he hails originally from the Mississippi Delta and comes from a strong line of farmers and food sovereignty activists. In fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to share with you an interview that I had with his mom, a civil and food rights activist who has returned to the Mississippi Delta in the last couple of years to help heal her people through food, education, and agriculture. Chris describes farming and agriculture as a return to the earth and a return to spirit, which he describes as central to the recovery of Africans and diaspora in the Americans, in the Americas, and throughout the world. During a walk through the community farm he nurtures, he shared his very nuanced perspective of cultural recovery, diaspora, identity, and colonialism, and a perpetual return to the ancestors for wisdom about how to find unity, wholeness, and liberation for all people on the planet. He is unapologetically African, Black, Southern, spiritual, religious, intellectual, community-oriented, multiple, and a farmer. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. If you want to learn more about the Sankofa Community Farm and the work that Chris is doing, You can visit their website at www.bartramsgarden.org forward slash farm. The Rosehip Road Trip is a project from the Institute for Earth-Based Living. To learn more about this project, you can visit the Rosehip Road Trip on Facebook and Instagram at Rosehip Road Trip. You can learn more about this and all projects, services, campaigns, classes, and workshops offered by the Institute for Earth-Based Living by visiting our website, www.instituteforearthbasedliving.com, the Facebook page, and our Instagram feed, at Institute for Earth-Based Living. If this project resonates with you, I invite you to share it with whomever you want to share it, in whatever ways feel best for you. I'm also always open to feedback and love talking to people about these conversations and having these kinds of conversations. Thank you for your time, energy, support, and patience on this journey. I couldn't be more excited to return to this work, which I am most passionate about, and share so much more with you than I ever have before, as this work, my work, and I continue to evolve and unfold. Have a beautiful week, everyone.
1: cosmology
2: yeah huge yeah so we get the orishas out here we get our egglings out here we get all of our saints and of course we get Jesus Christ yeah. um it's a little overgrown right now some of that's intention because we 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 do our farming according to what we call natural agriculture okay and how up. do
1: you define that
2: natural agriculture is how do you define it the Shumei Institute well this is how it happened interestingly enough Owen my partner and I did a, um we did a presentation at the Cathedral Saint John Divine, the Anglican nice. Cathedral down in, in New York City, uh-huh. um, and they in um, the audience was a well two was a couple, uh, these, you know, a man and a woman, uh, Japanese couple, and they were listening so intently and so into it. They followed us, they they kept up with us. They made us really contact. And it turns out they're from this organization called the Shumei Institute in Japan. The Shumei people Uh are the folks who taught um, Masanova Fukuoka who is really famous for the book One Straw Revolution which is big circulating in in Uh agricultural circles. Uh You've probably heard of it. He proposes a type of very pared down type of farming that's really in tune with the seasons and really focused on using the things that we have, returning it all well. He departed from an original line of thinking which is even more deconstructed and we like that so we got missionaries literally they mm. were miss are missionaries right. because right. they're also religious like part of the right. part of shume is they don't describe themselves as a religion because they're you know just because in a lot of east west it's, it's hard to translate that but it's essentially what we would call a spiritual system, a spiritual system right. right with with you know with practices and stuff yeah. like that which in this in this world we've called a religion you know it has some sort of set practices and stuff and so they do that you know And, and but they, the biggest thing about it is that it's living in communion with the soil food web more than anything
3: uh-huh.
2: really really honoring what's beneath our feet right. in this deep 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 way and so they also you use and we do a lot of that out here too there's so much to say so much of the time. They, 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 we do a lot of like using the lessons that we find in the field to teach us or to help decode and interpret. Because mm-hmm. this is kind of like where... Where that kind of prophecy happens, I feel like. You know, like... To help us decode what we're seeing around us. Particularly right. in our own culture right. and stuff. And it's hard to describe with that. Because that sounds very abstract. But by watching the way things grow. Mm-hmm. By watching the way things cooperate. By recognizing with such a grateful joy. That Darwin is a liar. I mean, absolutely that it could only have come out of a person and a people in such spiritual distress, this idea that survival of the fittest is the right. way of the universe. Right. Where in the world? How has that become? When in reality, things survive by cooperating. That's That's what we see out here. Right. I don't, so, so it, I, I discredit and look at scans and take with a grain of salt and all that other shit, almost anything that I hear now coming out of modern western science in terms of agronomy and agriculture you know because i know their focus is not on this what the book of wisdom refers to as a spirit that holds all things together you know
1: you know it's really interesting some of the more sort of systematic ecologists Mm -hmm. who are kind of doing the most cutting edge Mm -hmm. um, ecology are have a very almost spiritual Mm -hmm. way and are proving with their very hard scientific data that everything cooperates. Thank God they're right? proving
2: it for us. What would we have done without the high priest of science and just seeing what God has created? So yeah. yeah. Anyway, but just walking through so um, we grow a lot of that said. You know, we recognize that that, that in, in the Schuma Institute and natural agriculture teaches that more than anything, you don't introduce anything new into the soil. You don't bring new shit, you don't bring you don't bring shit at all. Mm-hmm. You're really eating into not, no manure. Mm-hmm. That's another thing, mm-hmm. which is anathema. You know what? We as as organic farmers right. and they also kind of they don't poo poo but there's a respectful distance from what we refer to as organic farming because right. again organic they poo 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 uh, poo they really do yep. they actually really do yep. they say that it's not you know it's not necessary it's not that it's bad but in terms of if you're trying to feed the soil web right. it does make shit it makes right. sense make shit, it makes, shit. It makes shitty sense you know but instead what we do is return everything that we pull out right back here so when we do this, so now we turn turning this focus to me and uh, my sister, assistant farmer Kiana. Um, we refer to this as harvesting weeds now, mm, yes. so we're harvesting crabgrass, so that we can increase the you know the bacterial action. And stuff. Absolutely. So we grow okra, which is our mother crop of all people of the African diaspora. This is the one thing that no matter where we go in the world, if you got an African face, then this is a food that you're familiar with, and we're really, really, really grateful for that we have to grow it of course it's also wonderful because it's a linking food it's a connecting food it's one of the foods we we focus on traditional crops here doesn't mean that's the only thing we grow crops that are traditional to ours uh, you know in other cultures Mm -hmm. but well, everything's traditional. Somebody's culture. Exactly. So, yeah, in that case, yeah, I guess everything we grow is traditional. Some of them are more, and more intentional. And some of them are specifically being grown for the restoration and the reconnection of people. Mm-hmm. That's what we do.
1: And is that how you would define diaspora, African diaspora?
2: I would is define African diaspora is... How would well, you define that I, diaspora, I would literally define it in... I define that the, um, from the Greek, diaspora, scattering of seeds. Mm-hmm. I like that better because that you know this diaspora breaking open the seas is what happened to us and part of the diaspora that I represent in addition to my African you know heritage which is where I live largely is the Irish connection many Africans in this country because of the way white racism, British colonialism work specifically find themselves with Irish blood Mm -hmm. and it's not really a coincidence we came over Similar statuses and held them together. You. Girl, don't even get me started talking about the Irish colonization and how everything bad done. Potato, the deer the are really gone to town on them. So sweet potatoes are is morning the glories. Season. Yeah, yeah. So that's why their flowers look like that. And I love it that these cultivated morning glories that it took our ancestors thousands of years to bring into existence are growing right here with their wild cousins. That's awesome. They often find each other in the field. I've noticed this. That's gorgeous. Things I love that. Things find their relatives in the field. And they say we do the same thing too. We have uh, we grow a lot of African things. We don't grow it. It grows itself. AKA, Kalu, aka aka amaranthus mm-hmm. is um this variety is a cross the leaves are great but they're so small so I don't do right. any of it intentionally there's all crossing and our field. they do a,
1: what they want they do what they want you let Owen them do has what they bought want.
2: some red ones here and they cross with yeah, I saw whoever his. the parents yeah so yeah. whoever the parents are that's what happened. The leaves are absolutely delicious. I just need them to be a little bigger so I'm whispering in their ears to grow bigger leaves next year and we'll be alright. We do cover crop because again we are an organic Organic based, I guess, uh, natural agriculture uh, sort of setup. The big focus is to we add is is in the only emphasis that we add our prayer. We always say that, you know, mm-hmm. that we actually add our prayer and, and 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 whatever else came out of the field, right? So I've even moved to a point of not even thinking of compost as compost mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Because this whole idea of feeding plants and stuff, yes. it makes you think, and it really plays really well into a very particular kind of um, identity for the farmer. Which I think comes with a whole lot of gender stuff and a whole lot of, you know, which, you know, isn't, I don't think it's always bad, but in this case, I think it all sort of cooperates and colludes to make this um, really false narrative. Certainly, if not false certainly an ultimately destructive narrative, I think, for agriculture. Mm-hmm. I am the farmer. Look what I grew up with. Right. We learned how to not talk like that, and it's hard. Look what I do. I'm going to feed these plants. So we used to say that on right, the a, a task you list, are in, like You plant.
1: are in complete control of everything that happens rather than you might be able to do a little bit of nourishing and, right. um, and nurturing, but mostly it's in control and it's going to do what it wants to do. That's and right. you can pray that it's going to do something that's, Along the lines of what you hope
2: it's going to do. <laughs> and sometimes some. It's no it different will. than children, right? It, it's exactly in a lot in a real way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we even we even you know have a, a sense of of a type of, of more uh, sense of ownership over them than I think we probably really should. I'm saying that as a person who's actively um, working towards parenting, and I don't know how I'll feel. We'll revive. We'll come back to this. Right. <laughs> after I'm raising my own kids. <laughs> um but, but yeah, knowing this real way. And so I think this is why going back to the basics, understanding mm-hmm. that we're feeding the soil mm-hmm. that changes everything, yep. sister. That changes everything. Changing
1: the soil more than you're or feeding the soil more than you're feeding the plants. Yes. Right? If you're yeah. feeding
2: the soil then you are doing this sacred you are feeding the thing from which you come and the thing to which you'll return. Yep. That's powerful. Yep. That's a different connection than me. I'm trying yep. to get this okra bigger. Yep. Let me put compost on it with mm-hmm. nitrogen. I'm feeding you're not doing shit. You're not feeding it. These plants, I just I've learned, don't even have the capability. Many or most of them of taking up water and taking up food in the soil by themselves. They have to work with the bacteria and the fungus in the mm-hmm. system in the you in know the, the soil system yep. to do that. So then, I'm taking care of the fungus and the bacteria, yep. right? Yep. Hopefully, yep. you know. And so that's the work. That's what we're doing. So that's the kind of lessons that we're taking in to So, like this was sadly a row of a uh, traditional peas that we eat in the Mississippi Delta, and they eat them in other places too, but other parts of the South. But you see, the grasshoppers and the deer just decimated them until I just didn't have the heart to come back through here anymore. But these are a type of field pea we call crowded pea. And, and anybody from the Deep South, almost any part of the Deep South, is familiar with them.
1: And your family's from the Mississippi Delta, is that I'm correct? From
2: Mississippi, Yeah, we all from we all from Mississippi. By the way, Alabama on my mama's side. My great grandfather, Fred Bowden, was separated from his family in the flood in the 20s. And um, so that's how they ended up in Mississippi. The refugees. And this is the crowd of people, the humble crowd of people. crowd crowded people, they crowd the pod. You We're know, we growing these mostly the seeds this year. Okay. And it's in order to, like I said, to restore. Michael Twitty says somewhere, on some line, and I love that brother, he said, one of the um, things he said in his new book, The Cooking Gene, Yes, yep. You know, you got it? Yes. Yep. Is that um, there are some illnesses of the, that only your soul food can heal. Only mm-hmm. eating your soul food yeah. and your traditional food yep. to heal, you know. And he says it from a really deeply personal place that I can recognize, too. The best among us African people in this country, when I say the Mm -hmm. best among us, I'm using the European scale, the most successful amongst us have only become so to the extent to which we are able to internalize and ape and succeed in white culture. Right. Um, So it's
1: about assimilating.
2: Yeah, that's it. Anybody says anything else is on some bullshit, period. Um, so that's why I know what the brother is talking about, you know, if we come from people, you know, and so that's like a big part of the, that, so that's part of the world. So me coming out here and recognizing I got a story to tell that I have a heritage to bring to people. Cause see what I recognize that for us as Africans in America, our immediate origin point is the South. Mm-hmm. That's our home country here.
3: Right.
2: You know, we know we're from Africa and we do have that connection. We still honor it. I feel like we honor it more in the way that American Jews honor Jerusalem.
1: Right.
2: You know? But, though many, many American Jews, you know, have gone back to Jerusalem and get automatic citizenship out here, too. Some shit. We'd love to see if we could work something out like that with Ghana one of these days. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, thinking about that, you know, so if that's our point, then, that meant that I had something important to say and do. Right. Because I didn't. I wasn't part of a northern migration. Right. Thanks be to God but I wasn't a part, I didn't grow up in a home that disdained, not really, um, our Southern and African-American. I'm just eating this. You want I'm good. I have, um, I don't have, have yes, enough. I do, okay. I need <laughs> another hand. Okay. Yeah. So that's, so, you know, so, so and I learned that then we recognize that the work of growing here for us would largely be to grow as much of this traditional food as we can, reacquaint people with it. Um. And then enlist the elders, and the, we work a lot with elders. I mm-hmm. have a community garden. Mm-hmm. You notice those people, the yep. Swensons.
1: Yeah, I was talking to them earlier. Oh, were you?
2: Yeah. Oh, good. Well, they probably were giving you a little bit of that testimony. When they were here last night for our community garden meeting. Man, we had a good time. We had a beautiful little prayer service for one of our ancestors, who a gardener who recently went to our ancestors last month, mm-hmm. one of our gardeners. But it was beautiful. We set up a little altar there under the yeah. table. We made that table from trees that died here in so on. And, um, and I had one of my elders go pick a whole lot of sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Thank God we had a citronella candle. So it was a beautiful set of we had our obituary there. Mm-hmm. We sang the old songs mm-hmm. that the children don't learn anymore. From. Right. And then we went, um, to the river. Mm-hmm. And catch That's the only strong. place where you can go, right? Yeah, yeah, particularly when we're talking about the dead. Exactly, too. exactly. you are talking about yep. crossing rivers and so we all threw out our, I start talking to people, you know what I'm saying? Like our I thank God that I I really thank God for my life. I really, yeah. really do and my ancestors. I do because I recognize something like I learned how to hold contradiction or what seems like contradictions and conflict.
3: Uh-huh.
2: In ways that it baffles me to see other people struggle with. Yes. All my the people time. up here especially. So this phenomenon of black people of of meeting numbers of black people who have lost connection with faith, unheard of where I'm from. Right. You may have lost connection with church right. but you didn't lose connection with spirit right. you didn't let anybody do that okay. they would talk about the pastor they talk a boy, they talk about him like a low down dirty dog but they knew, you know, you knew that spirit connection so I recognize that that was yet one or more symptoms of soul sickness up north for black, uh, black people mm-hmm. you know, faith and connection to spirit is not optional so It is not optional. It is part and parcel of who and what we are, and we Mm -hmm. find it in lots of different ways, you know? And the wonderful thing about the diaspora experience, this is what I think one thing that's powerful about all diasporas, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna speak in a special way about my diaspora, African, North American, British, um, North American, African, is that that one way that we've survived is not by, is not so much by holding on to all that you could keep. That wasn't a possibility. Sister and I were talking about we started getting chills just rocking, thinking about it, talking about it, because you know, that shit was literally taken away in a lot of ways. I, you know, and it was by neglect. If your mother dies, nobody is there to teach you those songs. Mm-hmm. It's done. Mm-hmm. Whatever's pumping in your blood will come out in some way, in mm-hmm. some dances, in some speech, or something that you won't be able to decipher. You don't know what it is that you're doing because your mother wasn't there to teach you. We come from long lines of motherless children. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so thinking about that, so I've realized that our strength and our survival was not that holding on, we did that too, as much as possible. I'm convinced most of it was, boom, 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 yeah. boom you know, and not this, yeah. Um, for lots of reasons, trauma, too. When we talk about trauma and what, how, what that does to the memory and the desire to keep, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. anything old, but it it, 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 our strength lies in how much we were able to identify in what we presented with and own it. We did it. With the religions that were presented before us. Mm-hmm. We did it with the foods that were presented mm-hmm. to us. We did it with the language. We did it with, the mm-hmm. know. We did it with music. That's what we do, you diasporize it. We call it, I invented a verb called stankopitizing. I like it. Yeah. Using if you Sankofa. use it, it works. Yeah, that's what I say. That's what I say. So I want to keep using it and writing it down. So we stankopitize it, you know? And we did that, too, with butter beans. These are, this is another traditional bean from where I'm from. This shit is hard to see, and it's harder to pick. They make you pay for this picking. But these are. this is the Mississippi black. This is, this is the well. It's not actually called Mississippi, but for our purposes here, I refer to the Mississippi brown speckled butter bean. We just call it speckled brown butter bean at home. It's okay. the best butter bean in, in the universe in all creation. It's the only one that I want to eat. It's a luxury for folks in the deep south, black and white. That's another thing, too, to see in the south. We still, and I'm convinced we can teach the rest of the country a whole lot about race, a whole lot. I,
1: look, I tell people that every day of my life, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I want to spend so much time in the South mm-hmm. doing this project. Yeah. Because people up here think they know all kinds of things, and I grew up for part of my life in Virginia, and I have a very different perspective different. on yeah. the world than many others. I
2: think, yeah, it's really, really different. Yeah. It's really different. Rattlesnake pole bean, another thing. To the only bean that I only only green bean that I ever grow, as far as I'm concerned. It's also called the preacher bean. I don't know why they call it a preacher bean. This was my diaspora garden. I'm really embarrassed for you to take pictures of it. So bad. that's okay. Um, I didn't actually. So it was. It, it was. Originally, you know, we, we always put a bottle, where I'm from in the Delta, we will use bottle trees a lot. You know, I don't know if you see them in other parts, but the only other parts I've ever heard of are Alabama, and I suspect those are people from Mississippi. But, yeah, part of Congo tradition, and a lot of people in Mississippi are Congo descended. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's, that's part of our culture that we love, I'm excited about. But part of that Congolese tradition is, is putting pots. On, on trees or metal structures or mm-hmm. offerings around it, you know.
1: Well, and You're that's, um, so that's also part of Obia in the oh, Caribbean. Oh, yeah, Obia.
2: that makes sense. Oh, that yeah. makes sense, because they, they all come they, they, Yeah, exactly. Come. So, same, same yeah. tradition. Yeah. That, that and the whole idea of... Actually, uh, I
1: did a, um, I had an aquaponic system that I did that was a big... Um, it was a sculpture, so it was actually an artwork, an installation. Uh-huh. Um, and I used the bottles like that oh, around appreciate. it in the same way, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I was in the Bahamas, so.
2: Yeah. Do they use them? Have you seen that there? Do they have again, it, de-
1: it depends. It depends um, In among people who have a little bit more of an Obia orientation uh-huh. would, but other than that, and it, you know, it's kind of, you know, like you were saying earlier it kind of gets mixed up in terms of how people understand where things come from or where things don't come from but certainly um on the family islands uh-huh. and the more traditional rural areas you would uh-huh. see more of those types of practices
2: well there you go
1: that was for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and it's, it's not a, not white a white, white feather,
2: feather. Uh, obi- you never know, know obi in my field
1: Yo,
2: yeah, I see you. You a special dedication to um, Obatala,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who in the Ifa cosmology is often identified with uh, the Lord Yeshua, right? Um, and a white feather is very much a part of his. <laughs> When he fell from earth, you don't know if you know the Batakia is the creation story, but mm-hmm. what was created is the Creator Olodum sent his son, uh, some say his first begotten or only begotten, uh, son, down from heaven. And he somehow came down from heaven to make the earth with a white chicken. And I think he, he slipped and the chicken fell or something like this. And the chicken fell from earth. So see in there, this is just really beautiful and powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So creative. It's interesting too because this is in the, right now, Pope Francis, God bless him, has uh, declared and invited all Christians and people of other faiths, especially Christians, to honor September the 4th, I think, through, no, September the 1st through October the 1st as a uh, season of creation. Mm-hmm. So lifting up creation is this whole, you know, yep. push for environmental and earth-based spirituality. I don't know if the rest of the world, I know in Catholic in the Catholic Church, it's, it's like, ter- it's rocking our world. Like, every Sunday, like, lately, this past, you know, three months, everywhere, and this is everywhere in the world, because, you know, when we do want them to do something, they send a bulletin out to everybody. So, right. even in China, they're talking about the same thing. And, and and it's all a focus on, I never, as, we would say Mother Earth, and, and, and our, you know, crazy, pagan, half, whatever, you know, but they hear the Pope of Rome, the Bishop of Rome is referring to Mother Earth. And our sister Mother Earth, and talking about spirituality, we've been commanded to make atonement for our sins against the planet. Yes, that literally is what he, he said. Yeah. That so now he's asking that all that you start formulating prayers, to, you know, in yes. action around, you know, and start doing old school Catholic stuff. Like, I actually want you to stop eating meat on Fridays again, yeah, and here's why, you know, you can, you know, it's like.
1: What
2: he says actually makes sense. Yeah. As opposed to the original reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, the, well, the original reasons for me made sense, but they made sense in different, re- different yeah, ways. Yeah, that's true. That's they didn't. True. They made sense, you know. They made sense in this way that separated spirit from mm-hmm. flesh. Yeah. As though, like, you know, well, we fasted from meat on Fridays growing up my whole life. My parents, yeah. my mother still don't. They cook fish, for no yep, meat yep. on Friday. It was, you know, in commemoration of the death of Jesus. But to recognize, you know, you know, so you didn't eat meat because of the meat, of, I guess body of God hanging on on the cross on that day, you know, but to put that and flip that and say, actually, so you get to be in solidarity with all the poor and suffering and dying of the world by refraining from this food that inflicts such suffering and death on people Mm -hmm. all over the world in terms of the food system cost, you know, that's, that is huge. So it's actually a theological shift. That actually says more of what we already believed, and that's the thing. And that's what, and that's where the point of contention is in the church right now. That's why a lot of people are walking out, and, and that sort of thing, because it's this whole idea that why are you bringing new? Actually, no. We actually always believe that you encounter Jesus it's Christ actually, through other people. It's
1: a return. It, it is. Right? It's, it's a not return. seen. It's as a revolution, that. right? It's a, return. So it's a return. That's exactly to what a
2: revolution is, right? It's a return. By to definition, the <laughs> yeah, you revolve, that's you
1: return. So we it's don't tell, we don't it's think a it return like to the truth of what we are it's a return to the truth of what Absolutely. spirit really is what God Absolutely. actually is and a return to the truth of our relationship and our connection yes. to God and the earth and one, and one another and all of those are exactly the same thing
2: exactly the same thing you can't do one without the other nope. you can't remove a yep. pig and that's another thing that's been big in the language he's saying that we've had this spirituality that has been m- missing this entire focus mm-hmm. or that sh- that shielded it and mm-hmm. it's not like it wasn't there mm-hmm. you read scripture you look at it and is one thing I love about being such a like a You know, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I'm, you know, that I am Catholic is that it's so universal. You know, there's a potentiality of complete universality in terms of, 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 I don't give up my old practices. If I was a Baptist, I'd be done. Black Protestants in in this, in this country, you know, they had to lose their drum. They had to lose all, that's why they clap in church so much. Because they had no drum, you know. Um, This sort of thing. So, like, all of the things that you have to let go of. I didn't, so like me, and I like, it's like that history is there, like all those saints and all those ancestors and people who connected and did that sort of thing. It was one thing. And I all to the show
1: same energies, just with different names. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, there's one thing that I was going to show you. Okay. We um, planted very intentionally a rice. Owen might show you this. grass. Yes, fever grass. tea grass. In Africa, West Africa. This is uh, African rice, which has been gone for a very long time from North America. The story is absolutely incredible. will blow your mind. But I'll just give you a snippet of it. Long ago, John Bartram, the master of this house and land, uh, you know, in the 1770s, wrote a letter to his good friend Thomas Jefferson that were exchanging Letters, and I think it was Tom who suggested that this African rice, which black people were growing all over the South in our little truck gardens, mm-hmm. you know, what you work when you get off of work, and he was suggesting that this hill rice they called it because it grew on the hill, it don't have to flood it, okay. is 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 is, is, com- is superior to the Chinese rice that we're growing, and if we grew it, then it could cut down on the deaths from malaria from the slaves in the field, right? And these notions and all, I learned this during an art p- ritual slash art piece that, that a group was doing here mm-hmm. um, a couple of months back. And I learned that after I had planted and struggled to plant this rice, we we blessed this rice, we soaked this rice in our mouths. It's what we do with our seeds too, by the mm-hmm. way. So we you not know, I, I saw my daddy doing that as a kid, and so I did it. And then I learned later on that actually people all over the world do this, yeah. and it's like an old school technology in order to create health packages for yourself and for the people connected to you and in order to connect you to that seed again. So we soak that seed and pray in our mouth with it. Mm -hmm. So we hear the prayers. So I did that and then I brought my sister out who was a Yifa priestess. Uh, We blessed the land, We we did all of this and we put it in the ground. I did 14 hills, seven over there and seven over here. And this was all that came up. Nothing came up over there at all. And I learned later on about this story, and I was struck immediately. I recognized this rice might not have wanted to come up because the last time this rice was grown in this country, everybody who looked like me was enslaved. Mm-hmm. Then we brought this rice with us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought, this is, oh my God, And I got chills. I, knew that. I just knew that was part of what was happening, yeah. you know? And um, I was telling a good friend of mine who's, uh, she is a priestess and a rabbi doesn't know she's a rabbi yet, but she's going to be a rabbi. She's going to be ordained. Um, And we have, a, like, we're prayer partners, too. She's my best friend. So we pray every Sunday night. Mm-hmm. We get on the phone and go over our week <laughs> and pray together. And she was telling me, Chris, I don't know what, but it's just really coming to me that you need to tell that rice that you're not enslaved. Mm-hmm. You need to go and tell that rice. Mm-hmm. I went to talk to this rice. My, my skin just stood up. As I, you know when you know you've been listened to? Yep. Like, they're listening to us right
3: now. Like
1: when the feather.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, I'm just watching it. Guess I should go home and put it on that altar. But that rice recognized. So I told that rice that I was no longer a slave. And then I bought my co-worker, my co-director, Ty out here. So that he also, he's white, Swedish. Mm -hmm. What he thought he was. He took that test. He's an Irishman. (laughs) It's funny how white folks. I met more than one white people who who, who wrote the Irish out in their family? Even now, they don't even know that they was doing it. You know, like they didn't know that. I think even Owen's family, maybe yes. He said, he said he said he was definitely yeah. Irish. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, more Irish than they knew. Yeah. There's long stories of glorious British past. you are gonna record that face. Maybe. That's okay. He knows how I feel about the English. Okay. But um, <laughs> but and yeah, and then come to find out why out. If you're Irish, you know. So anyway, so yeah, I had him tell this to this, and 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 just to feel the plant listening. They can't find a trace of this, of this here anywhere. They haven't they haven't turned up a single grain of African rice seed in North America. Not one. It's like for some reason after 18 or something. It just stopped. And it was going all over the South, from Virginia to Louisiana. I mean, it was going, literally out Arkansas, they were growing it. In Mississippi, where I'm from, they were growing this rice, and we've never heard of it, ever. Yeah. Ever. It just disappeared. Not one trace. Okay, the remarkable story is this. Is the British, during the American War, the British-American War, had a, they had, you know, scouts sent out to uh, uh, black folks in, in South Carolina. In, in around the Sea Islands, and that's, I, I suppose he would have been some of the earliest of the Gullah Geechee people, right? right? They were told if you fight against your American uh, uh, masters for us, then we'll give you a land, some land in this place right. called Trinidad, right. right? And so they said, hell yeah. And they did it, and the British, you know, <clears throat> honored their word, yeah. and gave them this island out in Trinidad. I believe it's called Moruga Hill, the island. There's a proper name of it. Uh, Saint Andrew, um, It's a fuller name, but they, so those African Americans left. Before they left, they took this rice with them. Aww. And I thank God and our Agun that they did because that African American rice, you know, only survived because they took it with them to Trinidad. There's not one grain that they've turned up here. Not yeah.
3: one. Yeah.
2: And so a sister of mine who uh, is also a farmer, she's a sister farmer of me and, my, uh, me and Owen's uh, in a the, the, the seakeeping collective that we're in, she is Trinidadian American. She happened to go to Trinidad, heard this story. She said, I'm getting that rice for us. Yes. She went to that island girl, so somehow is that she rice. found it. This is that rice okay. that she brought back. She's- she brought it back for several farmers here who she knew, she trusted, who were spiritual farmers, you mm-hmm. know, because she only wanted to bring something back like that. Well, that, the other the thing that. Is yeah. Totally. Oh, well, this is how <laughs> we have moringa trees. So, by the way, I may, yeah, I get the moringa. Right, I'm so gonna give you some leaf, moringa leaves too. Uh, yeah, well,
1: I mean, I'm familiar because I lived in the Bahamas in for the five coffins. years. Oh, you did. So I am um, familiar with a lot of these plants that I don't normally see here. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Grow cotton for the young people, uh-huh. and that's a really classy variety of cotton. See, I need to get this shit at home, the one that tear your fingers up. Um, we grow okra, we grow sorghum, mm-hmm. we grow a lot of sorghum, African mother grain, and, and there's a whole wall full of gourds. I grow them because see, the deer don't like Bring you a leaf so you can okay. see why the deer hate it. Where I'm from in Mississippi, this bean is—you have to have this pea. You have to have this. That's uh-huh. okay. yeah, the purple hull. Because we grow several varieties of black-eyed pea, right? You know, several, right, several yep. different kinds, and you eat them all in different ways and for different purposes on different days. That's the uh, bottle gourd. Oh yeah.
3: yeah
1: it
2: to me, it That's smells a... like burnt hair. It
1: smells like. It kind of, it just smells
2: like, um... Everybody says it smells something different. It definitely
1: smells like something familiar, but... Yeah, burned hair is definitely... Yeah,
2: it, to me, that's the first thing that I thought of. My grandmother yeah. used to burn her hair, you mm-hmm. know. Absolutely. They burn her hair, so you might get a hold yep. of it. And so, um, I would smell that you going in the bathroom after. you like some moringa? I would love some. Moringa. Let me get a, one, a couple more because I'm going to take some for my tea. We... So yeah, these but these come from Miss Marie Fanod, the sister at my church. A Haitian, one of my Haitian elders at church, and she brings the seeds every year. These moringa tree from her sister's front yard in Porto Plains, and um, she brings them to us, and we we plant them out every year. We eat some. For the Oh, if, you know what, if you want lemongrass I should pick you some now. Okay,
1: that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah,
2: let's take it with the Let me get a couple of these for myself. I about that smell? Yeah, there's nothing like it, huh? And
1: especially when it's fresh like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Put it in, like I'll put it into the tea kettle. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Like, well and I was telling Owen if he told you that one bitter gourd that he has that huge wall. Is Saracy? Do you know Saracy? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And that's you like remember the name. If you start talking said, to I know what yeah. you if
1: you start talking to some West Indian people, yeah. They'll start freaking yeah. out.
2: That's true. that's true, Do you know these? You that. well I don't know what in Bahamas they
0: Bird peppers?
2: Uh, this is yeah, this this uh seasoning peppers. peppers. They're not hot. They are the ones that uh for seasoning, so you put Stuff. Yep. Well, I don't have it. I guess we harvested all the ones that have turned. Because every year we have a diaspora garden. We're having a diaspora garden and there. Is where we highlight the crops that have helped us to survive. Uh huh. But um, this year everything is just in the field. All those crops are in the field. That's
1: awesome. You
2: know. And uh, you're
1: integrating it.
2: Integrating them. Yeah. You know. I didn't plan it that way, but. Right. I like it that that that's how it happened.
0: The Rose Hip Trip. This is a Rose Hip. And I am the roaming Road Researcher on the Rose Hip Road Trip. I have goddesses the in my rose hips that go to herbs to get my tips, trip. and my food even makes fairies the do flips. Hip Trip. this is a rose hip trip and I am the roaming road researcher on the rose hip road trip I let the wind determine my cliff I stay away from air with too much nip and if you need some vitamin C take a sip from my tea the rose hip pro trip the Oh,